Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. We're continuing our Hawkeye coverage, the Disney Plus series, as we are in episode three, Echoes. And it's kind of crazy to say that we're halfway through the series already, but let's dive in. Let's introduce the panel. First, the super producer is in the house. One, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Excellent. Excellent. And the Rome dog, Jumpy Lime, free black dragon roll as always. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. And last but certainly not least, we have a guest with us today. He, the friend of the show. Uh, he's wonderful, wonderful guy to speak to all the time. And he's from Metal Arc Media, author, ESPN, the whole nine yards. One, Howard Bryant. How you doing, sir? I am terrific. Happy holidays, fellas. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you so honest. much. And so, yes, this episode was directed by Bird and Birdie. And guys, I feel like just generally this series has been enjoyable, not without its, you know, hits and misses here and there. But Howard, as customary, when we get a guest on and they haven't been on for the first portion of the series, we ask the question, how do you how did you feel about the initial two episodes i mean howard's got a lot to catch up on in the mcu university sense we haven't had it's been a while for a lot of things yeah i think the yeah. last one for me was probably uh falcon and winter soldier right yes <laughs> it was Captain... yeah it was the birth the birth of checkers wilson was the last time <laughs> out there making more promises he can't keep black man so um i thought i mean I like the fact that they did the first two episodes in succession, so you didn't have to wait week, week, week. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was I thought that was good. I the let's put it this way: the feeling that I have for this show right now has been uh, something that I felt about Jeremy Renner for a long time. He's a movie star. He he is really able to carry scenes. I mean, I I was always skeptical about whether or not. I was skeptical about Elizabeth Olsen about watching WandaVision. Could she carry 10 episodes or nine or whatever it was? I never worried about Hiddleston when it came to Loki. Um, I did not think that Anthony Mackie could carry a series. And I thought that those guys, I didn't think Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan, because he's so understated that they were going to be able to carry those two characters because both of those characters are so dependent on another character. They're both sidekicks. Mm -hmm. Do two sidekicks make a lead? Right. Mm -hmm. And Hawkeye is a different he's a he's a different breed because he never has his own title. He's not even a sidekick. He's one of an ensemble cast of Avengers comic book wise. But right. as actors go, Jerry Murn is a really good actor. And so mm -hmm. I loved him in American Hustle. He's he is really able to carry and I love what they've done with him. I love the fact that there is a price that you pay for saving the world, but the fact that he can't hear. I mean, obviously that they've decided to go all in as we've seen that, you know, that that they are highlighting being, um, you know, disabled, right? That there's a disabled, you know, I'm saying, I, this is, a, we need Daredevil here now, right? We, we've got- <laughs> Not too far away. Not too far away. And I swear <laughs> no, that no. I, I swear there's a Wilson Fisk sighting in here somewhere, right? There's gotta be- No, a... we're good. Yeah, we will I, definitely uh, get into that. Exactly. I'm like, so this is starting to hit into my, like my wheelhouse. Um, I- I'm a Vera Farmiga fan as well anyway. And yep. so she's a colossal mess um, so far. One of the things that I really enjoy that what the MCU has done 
because I'm not a huge fan of the eternal Shang-Chi place where we're at right now because I have apocalypse fatigue. I'm like, I thought okay. the stories were going to get smaller, but they've gotten right, bigger right. and bigger and bigger with less recognizable characters. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But this, <laughs> but this story, what I really like what they've done with it is that they've gone back to a pivotal moment. And when you think about your life, and, when we, and I think about the life of my parents or whatever, everybody's got their demarcating moments where you know where you are, right? My parents' generation, it was Pearl Harbor from my dad, right? Everything, if you were born during that greatest generation period, that's what it was. For me, my generation is the Cold War. My son's generation, it's 9-11, right? There are these gigantic cataclysmic moments that shape your life. And I love the fact that the MCU has chosen the New York Avengers fight to do that, that everybody's mm -hmm. been touched by what happened that day in New York. And so I think that's a great jumping off point to tell some interesting stories um, because it's not as though the, you know, when you have an alien invasion, you know, right above Grand Central Station that people are going to forget that. Right. So I like the fact that they've turned that into an anchor. So, so far, it's also so weird good. seeing New York back together in the series. That's yeah. right. Right. They revisit certain scenes and certain, like they purposely go to settings that were very pivotal to the battle and it just, it's New York again. It's New York again. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a very, I, it's a very smart, I thought it was a very smart way to go. Um, and, and so yeah. I was going to say, Howard, because you were mentioning about Jeremy Renner and and the Hawkeye character in general, and a topic of discussion that we had last week that was interesting was the juxtaposition of what's happening with the Ronin situation and the moralities of him just killing all these people back in Endgame and how that plays out now and how the show has chosen to address it to a degree, but maybe mm -hmm. not to the degree that it's being heavily critical, at least to this point. I feel like we're going to get there, but how have you seen that aspect of it, and how do you see the Ronin character in, in juxtaposition with Well, there's, there's, there's no question that Echo knows that he's Ronin. Mm -hmm. She certainly does not believe that Ronin is dead. Yes. And she doesn't believe in the coincidence that, oh, gee, you just happened to come upon that suit. And how do you have all this knowledge? Right. She's completely skeptical of all of that. So clearly the the, the confrontation, the the ultimate battle of this series has to be between the two of them when she finds out who he is. Right. That's kind of where it yeah. seems to be heading. Um, so I don't have any problem with the pacing. And I think that the, I think that the show so far has done a really good job of creating cliffhangers i think there's the show endings in each of these have been excellent to make oh, yeah. you have have you wanted more absolutely mm -hmm. i want more so um i i and i and i like the you know i i like the chemistry between you know between kate bishop and 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 clint barton i think so far it's pretty it's pretty good um mm -hmm. i don't have anywhere near the trepidations of where they're going with this as i did even with loki loki i'm like okay where is this we're, right. Now, Loki, you knew we were heading somewhere because a new character was waiting at the end of this Wizard of Oz journey, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of this this story, you knew somebody was there. And I was right and wrong when I, as we talked about this, 
I thought it was going to be Scarlet Centurion. It ends up being Kang the Conqueror. But of course, they're the same person, just different mm -hmm. times. Right, right. And so um, this has to be fast. It had to be action. You had to feel like Kate Bishop was going to be able to hold her own and carry it. Not exactly sure we've hit that yet, but she's a good character as well. I got, I have no complaints. But the ceiling so that's required show. of a Kate Bishop is no, is a lot lower than like what you would say an Avenger should be, or at least like a main Avenger, like a superhero Avenger, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, she basically like her what she needs to achieve is basically a Hawkeye, which is achievable. It seems like you know, mm -hmm. just yeah. There, there's not a lot expected of her, and I, I think to the stuff. Uh, that you're mentioning there, I think what I like about the series, even if it's not necessarily addressing all the things that we've heard feedback like needs to be addressed in a lot of people's opinions, I like that it keep it they keep it simple. I think one thing that's been an issue for a lot of Disney Plus series is that it tries to hit so many points at once, mm -hmm. yeah, and it tries to get very deep about certain things, and there's only a limited amount of time, and I think there's also only so much you can expect from a Marvel property to get deep enough to like satisfy like what you're expecting out of them and i think what's actually made this very enjoyable comparatively to a lot of the disney plus series like i we we talked um offline about this and this is probably our third favorite after loki and wandavision so far and it's because it's just sticking to the point of you know yeah. it's it's some fun action good chemistry not going outside of the bounds of what it is which is kind of what hawkeye is yeah, and I actually really like the idea of Hawkeye on his own a little bit because it does mm -hmm. show, I mean, let's not forget, I mean, he doesn't have any superpowers, but he's incredibly skilled at what he does. He know, yeah. you know. Yes. I mean, so I, I I like seeing him sort of branch out on his own and we'll see what he's what he's all about. Yeah, yeah that, it's funny cuz people make fun of him a lot for being weak or whatever, but it's like Hawkeye is probably a better killing machine than like Jason Bourne, and they have you know made four movies about him. So it's like there, um, there's also a Hawkeye appeal in the similar way that I think of like, you know, you, you can marvel like at a LeBron James, but no one can be physically <laughs> like LeBron mm -hmm. James. And while right, yeah, like it, it's it's not to say that Steph Curry in any way is something that is achievable. Mm -hmm. It at least appears to the general viewer that like, oh, I could probably just shoot a lot of threes. I can't mm -hmm. jump as high. I can't dunk and fly and be as fast and stronger than everyone, but I could maybe just but shoot I can a train lot. myself to shoot like him exactly. the way Hawkeye has the eye to do, do what he does. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and also as killing machines go, just watch the first five minutes of the Avengers. I mean, he kills everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. so uh... he just puts arrows through people's necks. Right. I mean, yeah. so, so there's that. Um, I also felt too, uh, in watching this and seeing like, where was the story going to go? Like, how do you, you know, one of the questions that you're going to have as time goes on with this MCU is how you're going to balance the volume of content with the number of people that don't want to have seen all you have mm -hmm. to watch. Mm -hmm. Like, 20 movies was enough. 22 movies was enough. Now you're going to have to mm -hmm. add the TV shows to it. And now you're going to, you're going to have to, you have to add the cartoons to it with what if, you yeah. know, and now you're going to have to add two, four more movies in the next year, right? Mm -hmm. You've got Eternals, yeah. you've got Shang-Chi, you've got Spider-Man mm -hmm. and you've got Dr. Strange, right? So the volume of keeping up, you know, for the four of us, yeah, you can keep up with it, but how much does the business side want to make the consumer work? 
And you don't right. have to do a lot of work with this Hawkeye pro with this Hawkeye property no. right now. Which is no, also why it's that, good. It's only yeah. six episodes. Yeah, and I think people have been. I've seen people like derisively be like, "Oh, this is basically just like one of the Netflix shows." And it's like the problem with the Netflix shows was that they're all thirteen episodes. If you took yeah. except Iron Fist, obviously, but if you took mm -hmm. every Netflix show and compressed them down to six episode seasons, they would all probably be great. Like I have no, I right. I, I don't think that I think that that's kind of an insult that doesn't really understand what um that yeah I think that this series I think is very smart in that they are introducing a lot of different characters and ideas and people. And because of that, they're keeping the plot very simple. Yeah. That they yes. don't, it doesn't need that. And especially because it's such a character, so intent on introducing a character. Like this is really just like the launch vehicle for Kate uh, Bishop and mm -hmm. also obviously Echo, but mostly Kate Bishop that I think it's much more effective to be able to introduce her as a character. If the plot is a, around her and tangible and she can react to it because you learn a lot more about her in this situation than you would if it was like she was the random girl that hawkeye found and they have to save the world against a gigantic monster like right. that doesn't yeah. inform you as much about her and so i think that um i don't know I, I love the idea of being able to have differently paced and differently staked tv shows and movies and it's like yeah it's fun that we get a six episode you know action adventure type thing and we can have the other big cosmic stuff we can have a million theories about, but I think that, um, I think a lot of, I think Hawkeye is very, is very sure of what it is, and I think that it, it doesn't have any grand designs on being what WandaVision or Loki were, and I think that that's really cool, and that's good, because I think that you can, if you have a story like this and you want to think every it's bigger can it and should be that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the biggest problem that I was having where we're at when you immediately come out of the summer and we had three stories this summer, you had Black Widow, you mm -hmm. had Eternals and you had Shang-Chi and each of them was apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. um, each of, I mean, Black Widow wasn't really, it was just a spaceship falling out of the sky, yeah. but it, you know, it wasn't the universe. But like, I mean, just the sense of like what they wanted to do with the widows too. Like it was supposed to be world changing. No, oh, that's right. And so yeah. to me, what I was really hoping for, and I think that what people didn't really understand about Endgame was Endgame was supposed to be precisely that. End game, not right. continuation game, not pause game, end right. game. This it is wasn't it. tutorial mode into the real thing. Exactly. It was the final this is battle. It. Yeah. We're done. And so I was expecting what I was hoping the MCU was going to do was go back to watch mm -hmm. the world rebuild and within that rebuilding, tell smaller stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's know? always been my kind of struggle sometimes in how much I love the MCU Spider-Man but really lament that it doesn't have the small feel of like the Tobey Maguire trilogy. It doesn't exactly. have the neighborhood the, city feel. 100%. And that's the mistake that they made with Far From Home because Spider-Man, let's face it, there's just, there's just, there's a reason. There's a reason why th these characters are as tiered as they are, right? right. There's a reason why Spider-Man is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's not strong enough to fight Galactus. You can't put him out there, you know? You can't have him out there fighting Mysterio the way he fought him in that final battle scene. He's not strong enough, which is why they have to keep trying to power him up with the suit. He doesn't mm -hmm. have that, right? Leave it to the Avengers and the Fantastic Four to go take on all those gigantic battles or the X-Men. Those guys have the power to do that. Leave it to Thor to do that. Mm -hmm. And so here, 
the my real concern not only was it apocalypse you know apocalyptic or apocalypse fatigue where it's like mm -hmm. how many times can the entire universe be in the balance and mm -hmm. how much cgi am i going to have to endure and i don't even mm -hmm. understand what those fucking rings can do i don't get any of this right, right? right, right. <laughs> none of your none of your powers are making sense right now you've lost me right also the like what is considered powerful keeps on that's changing. right and you saw it with yeah, the eternals right. as well what can you guys do and i don't even know who you are right and <laughs> And, and this is the test for me personally, because I am old, right? <laughs> I mean, I am, I'm golden silver age Marvel. So you can go one of two directions. You can go Kirby Marvel, or you can go mm -hmm. Ditko Marvel. I went Ditko Marvel. I was a Spider-Man guy, right. right? I was a mm -hmm. Spider-Man and then I went colon and Claremont Daredevil X-Men and then Frank Miller. That was my Marvel. I didn't go Kirby Marvel. And mm -hmm. the and, and the MCU right now is going completely Kirby Marvel. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those characters are far less accessible, but they are fighting way bigger people. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the Watcher and Galactus and Dormammu. You know, I mean, Dormammu, you're fighting these characters that are always going to be apocalyptic. Right. Mm -hmm. Which at a time, like, even if you think about it in the MCU concept, like, that used to be an event. And now That's it's just right. every movie. And now it's every yeah. movie. And it's in it's interesting that you mentioned that because we've always talked about on here, at least as of late, as far as the way that we see the MCU being separated into the ground stuff uh, with Hawkeye and the crime stuff that's being elevated here, the cosmic stuff that we're seeing all over with Shang-Chi, the Eternals and everything that's coming after that. And kind of like the whiz techie stuff that we see, like I feel like Spider-Man almost kind of falls into like two or three different categories with mm -hmm. what they're what they have going mm -hmm. on with him. So mm -hmm. it's almost like I feel like Disney and Kevin Feige are just trying to give you menu items, and if you like this one, you can you can get into yes, that. Yes, but I also feel like they are not confident enough to actually serve you the non-cosmics because the moment stuff, yeah. the moment yeah. they try to do the ground stuff the the with shang chi that was my biggest disappointment with that movie was that i didn't need it to come down to the fate of the earth and the fact <laughs> that they kind of throw it in the last 30 minutes was like i didn't need this i was already compelled well, by the best, like i, I rewatched it this weekend and the best parts are really just everything up until they get to talo yeah that it's yeah. like that i think that there is a a not sure they're they're not they're not confident enough to just be like the stakes of this movie are that the main character might die and their friends might die. That is not enough there. And that should, that's enough stakes I think for a lot of movies. Yeah. But I think that I, mean, I that, think that that is kind of like a general, when you think about content and like being made, it's always, you always just get the feeling like for it to be successful for people to latch onto it, it always needs to be big. But I, I don't think that it that, does. Yeah. It does no, no I, I disagree exactly. completely. I yeah. think that yeah. people think that, and I also think that, and I replied to you on Twitter when you were talking about this, Howard, with uh, Eternals, that people misunderstood what made Endgame work. Yep. The thing about Endgame was it was mm -hmm. not about bringing half the population of the galaxy back. It was about bringing half of your favorite characters back. Yep. Yeah, no one right. gives Built a shit. Built up over 10 years. People, no, but, but it's like I, no one gives a shit if the civilians of Earth – I mean obviously people do, but like that's not what the movie was about. The movie was about right. – is T'Challa going to come back? Is Spider-Man mm -hmm. going to come back? Yep. And so I think that if you're going to do a big apocalyptic story, you need to have very strong, very drawn characters that you care about. Because like for example, I think I'm still excited for Spider-Man No Way Home because I already care about that character. It's like, okay, there might be some apocalyptic stuff going on, but – 
that it feels like the actual plot of it is going to be our Spider-Man and the people he cares about. Okay, and so if that's what's going on in yeah. the middle of it, that's fine. Yeah, that but if that's not going on that. in the middle of it, right? Then... Yeah, that looks exciting in the way that, um, and we should really get back to Hawkeye at some point. But like, sure. we will. that does look uh, <laughs> exciting in a way that, you know, yes, there is this whole multiverse angle to it, but there is uh, hopeful optimism that like we're really going to get like Spider-Man versus his Rogues Gallery. And yes, yes. and I, and I actually yeah. believe that this does take us back to Hawkeye because when you're thinking about smaller stories, Hawkeye fits that specifically. Mm-hmm. He can't completely. He can't fight those guys either. It's the it's the great line that he says to Wanda and, and Ultron. I'm just a I'm I'm a guy with a bow and an arrow, right? I mean, <laughs> none of this makes sense, right? And yes. so what I really like about what they're doing um, with this show and maybe with the with the TV shows in general is that New York is a fantastic palette, right? And New York, because of the way that Marvel has been set up in New York, despite the West Coast Avengers and all the other stuff that they tried to do later on, but New York as a place, there are villains and heroes all over that city. Mm -hmm. And I love love this, you know, this tracksuit gang, right? I love the fact (laughs) that these guys, you know, they are kind of low level, they're, they remind me a little bit of Yancey Street, right? They're these guys mm-hmm. um, who, you know, the old things, you know, nemesis, um, you know, where they're involved in stuff. But you can absolutely see them recurring in different places around mm-hmm. other characters. Like you can mm-hmm. see like Daredevil or Spider-Man accidentally getting involved against these guys, mm-hmm. right? Correct. There are all kinds of other things that you fall into accidentally it's almost like in 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 when you talk about the rose gallery in like in daredevil 165 daredevil out out of nowhere runs into dr octopus right and so what are these two guys doing fighting each other and i think that's that's what this hawkeye um you know that that's what this show is sort of doing is it's opening up a universe on the ground floor which I think is fantastic, but I really do think that the strength of this story so far has been the aftermath. That what the MCU has done a fantastic yep. job of so far is that everybody so far has an aftermath. Mm-hmm. How has the we see what you know Wanda's it was grief, right? Yep. Loki, he's stuck in a multiverse somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, and we'll see what happens with Spider-Man. Um, that they're all sort of struggling with well spider-man would have been the start with um far from home like he yes, was the first to deal with exactly that. yeah because yeah, that's that's the for one of the first post blip movies yeah and yeah. so and we saw that with wandavision as well when it came to the monica rambo character there's a there is a what happened to you what is your life like type mm-hmm. of story and i'm i'm really glad they they did that because it would have been very very easy to take the position that okay well that story is over therefore it never happened yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then I this feel week, like that yeah. then saps the stakes from anything in the future because if Endgame happens and then it's never really addressed again, the next time there's an Endgame level event, it's like, well, everyone ended up being fine after that. Yeah, so exactly. Like, and, it never, right. and it never happened, yeah. right? Yeah. It never happened. And, and, and that is, um, that's the mistake that you make. Like, I think that, I, I, I love the fact that Hawkeye made the comment um, you know, that there's a whole bunch of tech out there from the Avengers compound lying around. You never know what whose hands is Completely. that gonna fall into. Very nice is very similar to the the um, you know, the Michael Keaton touch in Spider-Man, where you you know you're doing the ground zero cleanup and you end up with 
you know, Chitauri weaponry, right? I mean, because right. that's really what would have happened if you're thinking about it. And if you wanted to apply some sort of real life stuff to this, you're going to come across alien shrapnel if there's an alien attack. Well, you're describing, Howard, a lot too, is just that, you know, when we are able to bring it down to an Earth level, then you can acknowledge the power vacuum that is there without Tony Stark. Well, that's right. And let's also not forget, right? Let's also not forget, at the end of the Avengers, a gigantic reptilian-like Chitauri right. thing landed on a building, right? Mm -hmm. What happened to that thing, right? You're, mm -hmm. So there had to be a certain amount of time where everyday people are walking down the street and they're seeing that ruin. Exactly. Right? And Just you know what they're doing? There. They're blaming de Blasio. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's good how like the original Avengers kind of plays specifically into New York because while Endgame happens to like the whole universe, like Avengers happens to New York specifically. That's right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, to kind of kick off the episode three discussion here, this episode starts with a straight up Echo backstory. <laughs> we get. I loved it. I so, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed so it. So seven minutes of. We kind of see who this person is. We know her ideals. We know where she gets her stuff from. Obviously, her father, uh, William, plays such a huge role. And while it's a, it's a departure from her debut in the comics and what that backstory was, um, I thought that they did an effective job. Can you give us a little background on like what the comic book um, origin was like? Well, basically, like the the whole kid, uh, Wilson Fisk being a part of her life is is a part right. of that lore. However, uh, Fisk kills her father and mm. then blames Daredevil for it, okay. and that's how their interaction, Echo and Daredevil, which we will see at some and to be point fair, down the line. Like we, I, I guess, yeah. No, if you watch this episode, it's pretty apparent that it is Ronan in this case. But who knows? We we yeah. could still yeah. be going back to this, especially and with a Fisk situation. But I think that this is the Brilliant. perfect time where they change the comics, where mm -hmm. they take it's the same general idea, like yeah. it's the same concept. But I think because I think so many people, whenever a character is introduced, every character is a million different entanglements or whatever. I think a, mm -hmm. a lot of common complaint people have about changing comics is when a character's origin is changed to write out a character that's not in the MCU yet. You know what I mean? Right. Where it's like yeah. that. Obviously, Daredevil is gonna come back for in No Way Home, but I think it's like rather than if you're gonna introduce Echo. It's easier just to be like, let's make it, let's make it make sense in context of this universe, as right. opposed to being like, well, our origin does involve Daredevil, so we gotta wait to get Daredevil. And like, no, 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 none of this stuff that doesn't actually matter. It, what's true for the story, and because yeah. I think that also what that does is that creates a character in the show that is a human avatar for the justice that Clint needs to say, face for his Roninness. Right. It adds to the to the also the danger that Clint faces too because it's not just it's these tracksuit mafia fellows it's Fisk who Clint actually seems like he alludes to in the episode mm -hmm. it's Echo Yelena too that's another story yeah, that's going to come into focus in the next right in the next couple of episodes as we go so I think that's another reason to do it that way which is like why as these stories have gone on I haven't had too much of an issue in terms of the departure from the comics because again you can't do everything exactly by the book I know the oh, criticism no, no, no. about what can change the, this particular run with the fraction run which is like a very popular comic that a lot of people really like and yeah it's really really good but you know TV is different movies are different like it's just 
basically just you see this story where uh that when they were um like doing like pre-production for the show the mm-hmm. director i forget his name what is it uh reese thomas is it reese thomas I mean, yeah yeah he was not actually they marvel didn't even put him in contact with fraction it's just that he's good friends with seth myers who was uh, a huge comic book nerd and knows right. matt fraction and so he introduced like basically kevin right. feige had nothing to do with all that it was just like a oh you're doing a hawkeye show you really need to n- right. meet this guy and so i think that that's really you know i th- i think this thing too is like people are like this feels so much like the fraction run but why are they departing from it it's like there, if you you just said you just said it feels a lot like this run. Why are you complaining that it's not word for word at this thing? And we're already not there anyway because yeah. the Clint of the MCU is not the Clint in the comics. The Clint in yeah, the comics is a completely yeah. different person and doesn't have a family. And That's he's true. just he's just a little all over the place. He's yeah. a he's more of a hotshot. This mm-hmm. one is more understated. He's more of a soldier in a lot of different ways. So he's also think, he's yeah. also a CIA operative. Mm-hmm. He's right. a, he's like a spy, yeah. So yeah, he says as such, and he says mm-hmm. as such, yeah. And I I don't I don't think that you have to adhere to the comics. The only issue, the biggest issue that I have when it comes to comic book adaptations, when it comes to film, is the ease in which they kill characters in in movies. You can't right. kill characters. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, they, they're supposed to come back. They keep coming back. It's supposed to be a huge event when you kill a character. But in the end of movies, pretty much you go back to Keaton's 89 Batman, that right. became the template that, okay, this guy's dead at some point at the end of this movie. He's going to die. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, no, no villain no. can survive by the end. Nobody survives. Sure. And, and yeah. so, yeah, I actually feel like, the, like they are finding, the MCU is finding a way to get into that small story mode. I really did feel like after Endgame that everybody needed a palate cleanse. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they needed to really reflect. I mean, because if you don't do that, then you diminish Endgame, which you cannot do, right? right. You cannot diminish that first run by having every story be apocalyptic. It's like watching X-Men Apocalypse. It's like the stakes are so high. None of this makes any sense. About in, in terms of Endgame, like you just can't diminish the Infinity Saga. That's what I'm right. saying. When I yeah, say the entirety Endgame, of the whole thing, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you diminish that, you diminish the whole journey that all of us had been on for ten years. Right. Yeah. And you can't do that, right? Yeah. I think it's it just shows a distrust of the audience that I find annoying. That it's like once we it's like well you guys like this big uh, event of Endgame and clearly the only way we can keep you on board is if we keep going bigger and it's like no is it like, that Jake is it that I don't know if it's or is it know. is it some is it is it maybe a little bit of this which is one of the reasons why you guys are probably too young for this, except maybe UAC. When, when Prince came out- I'm actually the with... oldest on this podcast. <laughs> are you really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, man. I know. Actually, I'm the oldest one here. Well, but... the, the oldest of, of the, the main host, yes. I always yo, love yo, this when yo, this yo, happens. Gray is betraying you, um, <laughs> right? Is that uh, Purple Rain comes out in 1984, and everybody thinks that this is what Prince is going to be. Mm-hmm. immediately he said he puts out around the world in a day just to say no i'm gonna be whatever i need to be and you guys can keep up with me mm-hmm. right um and so here i was i was completely of the mind that the first thing you need to do is to unlearn everything you think you knew right mm-hmm. that's the best way to keep everybody on their toes and to keep everybody straight so you're not getting into, um, if, if every single story 
has to be $300 million budget, super right. sci-fi, super mm-hmm. CGI, everything, right? You lose that, you lose the whole point of it. And so my point to you, Jake, wasn't that that's not the point. You know, my point was, have they simply gotten into mode that at this dollar amount, this is what we have that, to do that, story That's definitely yeah. something I we moved into true. earlier too. Yeah. Um, and the, you know I, what it is? Yeah. I mean, like, I, right now, like in the background, I have the Milwaukee Bucks playing the Toronto Raptors. And the Toronto Raptors are coming off a lottery team that they were two years ago, the NBA champions. And it's, it's just like everything you're describing is a team that needs to blow itself up because their championship window is over. Like mm-hmm. end game oh, was the championship is gone. You yeah. know, you, you clear the roster and you got to start anew and you can't expect them to come back immediately and have the same record. I yeah. love these analogies, Jerome. You're really doing yeah, a great Jerome job. Yeah, Jerome was just killing it with that. Just killing it, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so back to it, because like, I do actually want to talk about it just because yes, you started off yeah, with Echo. And I, I'm such a big fan of the Echo origin story that yeah, goes on over great. here. It's it's so charming. And I it, it's like one of those things that like Marvel does so well in how quickly in like a small bit they can make you fall in love with a character. And I was just like, Echo's already shot up as like one of my favorite characters to come across in like a short amount of time. Um between, you know, just the charm of just, like, her using, like, everything by understanding movement to overcome her disability. And then and then just, like, her having that tragic story. Like, I felt for her. Like, I know that her family and everything is not in the, like, clearest of situations. Well, and they are so, gangsters. Like, they are gangsters. Mm-hmm. Um, but But she's just born into it, right? And, like, it's... I, obviously she has decided to take on that life as well. And I don't think there's anything innocent about what she's doing at this point, but yeah, the way they set it up in that short montage to where she is, like it had me rooting for her. Yeah. I think a particular thing that I liked, especially after she has the talk with her father and then she goes through the stuff with the martial arts and mm-hmm. I'll get to the fisk, fisk portion of it in a second, but I love Uncle? when she tells Clint, Uncle? Oh uh, yeah, uncle. Uncle? Uncle. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh my goodness, that laugh. That uh Vincent D'Onofrio laugh was something else. Um <laughs> but one second on that because I I do feel like when we talk about Echo and I love the way that she she told Clint, she was like, You don't need this. Like the that... way that she lives in her strength and her truth, I thought was a strong character showing at the outset. And, yeah. and it's a nice and, thing for what yeah. is supposed to be an adversary. Because, like, normally when you think about adversaries in a comic book or comic book movie sense, it's just, like, it's just straight, I hate you and you're my yeah. enemy and everything. And just that moment of finding a relation with Clint was very cool. Yeah, yeah it was it was interesting, for sure. Uh, what did um, you think, Howard? What did you think about Echo's debut? Um... I thought that the first thing is, is that we continue on with the, the ongoing trend, and it's going to be a forever trend, that you have to humanize your villains, mm. <laughs> um, that bad guys aren't just bad guys anymore, mm. that, you know, do you need a reason? Yeah, now we need a reason. You know? I think actually, I think the big difference is, I don't think that, I don't mind it in this specific case, because I think that the, she's going to make a face turn, but I think the problem now is, I think... Bad guys need to have a reason 
that is seen as reasonable. You know what I mean? Because everyone has a reason. You know, the Joker in right. Batman 1989 uh, had a reason. His reasons were just bad. Whereas now it's like the villain needs to have – you need to understand why they do it. It's like, no, sometimes you don't. <laughs> anyway. I, I, I would say too, like in terms of entering into specifically Echo as Echo is introduced in MCU, and I have no prior knowledge from comics yeah. or anything like that, that, to me I'm like Echo is just a new character. And I don't know where they're going. Yeah, I unless didn't take like her I see Echo as a, entering as, as a villain. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, I think you're spot on generally, Howard. But I think also because we know that there's gonna be like an Echo series, so like I understood right. that they're trying to that. have us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, same, same. Yeah, same. I actually did have one, not com- I don't want to say complaint, but a thing that I wish they did better with Echo was I wish it, they made it clear what her power set is. Because I know that it's, it's basically just that she's really good at fighting. And right. in the way it's, that... It's it's similar to Taskmaster with mimicry. Exactly. Like, and so... That's what it the, felt like, yeah. That's... But it that... I, I understand that that is what... The way I took it in was just that she's good at fighting, and I didn't see... Because I guess the thing is, something that's very clear about Daredevil is they make it very, like, clear, like, he is blind, but he, this is how he uses it as, like, a strength or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I assume that that's probably part of Echo, and to not see that at all until... It, I guess what I would say is if I didn't know that there was an Echo series coming up, I would have watched this episode and been, like, kind of weird that they gave such a big backstory to this goon. Like, honestly, right, I would right. not have thought that she was, yeah. like, a supervillain. Yeah. No, and, and honestly, Jake, the way you're looking at it there is, like... Something that I think I want to um, look at things more just because I think we're just burdened with knowing everything that's coming, especially in just like a production sense that you're just like already explained before you get a chance to even like introduce yourself to a character that this character is important. Yeah, Yeah, I actually thought too what was interesting. I wasn't sure how I felt about it is that the tracksuit mafia are they they remind me very similarly and i forgot the name of the of the folks in the the gold people in guardians 2 oh yeah yeah oh shoot yeah. Um, what is no, it the, uh, i can't remember <sighs> if ac doesn't remember then we're screwed yeah they're, um, <laughs> um the, the sovereign sovereigns oh. yes there you go yeah. and so them like they're they are they fall in between n- joke nuisance and danger like they are trying yeah. to kill you mm-hmm. right but mm-hmm. they're kind yeah. of buffoons yeah, yeah. You know? it's also nice like you talk so much about like bringing it grounded like it's not a faceless alien army yeah and everyone's laughing at them at the end of the yeah. day like and they're like really upset at the fact that 
everyone laughs at them. They're like the, they're like <laughs> Northwestern or football or something. Like you know, they're the team that they're they just aren't supposed to win, and you're not no. really afraid of them, even though they're really mad at you. You just don't. You just sort of mm -hmm. dismiss them. And so the first part of the battle with the tracksuit mafia, it looked like that was who they were going to be. Mm -hmm. Then when you get to the car chase in the bridge scene, it's like, oh, these guys are a little bit more dangerous yeah, than right. you yes. thought. They're actually shooting bullets at you, and they're not going away so quickly. And so. Um, that juxtaposition with the fact that we still don't quite know enough about Kate Bishop is, I thought, left the it left the um, the whole thing a little uneven. Mm -hmm. And in that in in that you're not quite sure. Like I'm still reaching the point right now where I'm looking at somebody like Kate Bishop and I'm thinking, do you even realize you're in danger yet? Mm -hmm. Like right. she's sort of yeah. just bouncing through yeah, life right now while <laughs> leaving a lot of danger in her path, right? Leaving a lot of like danger in her wake. Mm -hmm. It's like you do realize that do you, you're... do you in some ways need to reframe that just because like this is also a character where where when we're first introduced her, she is surviving the Battle of New York. Well, that's right. But she's surviving yeah. it as a kid. She's not surviving right, it as a right. fighter. But I mean like in the sense that like that is all she knows in this life. I actually would say that I didn't that, see that. That's not why yeah. I took it. I took it that she doesn't realize how much danger she's in because she's lived, even though she's. A I think it's because she's a rich girl. Exactly. Right, that's she's lived an incredibly privileged yeah. life. Which her mother says to her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that's true. Yeah, that she, I think, has this. And I think that that's. I think it's going to be a plot point as the series goes on. I think it's side have already been, where it's like uh, Hawkeye keeps trying to get into her head, like. This is real. This is actual danger. Yeah, yeah, not, this yeah, is the real. The diner scene definitely like, is. You are, that. you are giving up something. And the thing you're giving up is the right now you live a life where, for the most part, nothing can touch you and you are actively choosing to give that up. You can, but that is what you're doing. And I think that she doesn't really – there's kind of a thing that a lot of people to different extents have where just like – Well, have you seen How Do They Fall? I have not seen The Hair of the Fall. I think I, AC and Joe have. have. I have not. No. Yeah, no. I have. Well, I mean, like, uh... you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Right. I know who you're you talking mess, about. Mess around, mess around, mess around, and you don't get it before you know it. <laughs> he really thought he really thought that draw was going to work exactly. the way you, that he thought it was. Right. I mean, when somebody says to you, "You really think this is about who's the fastest in the West?" It's really about who lives and who dies. Mm -hmm. Well, it's right? also like Kate, kick ass. Kate Bishop does not realize. This is really life and death stuff. It's a game to her right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. because she, yeah, because yeah, she, you know, you there's a certain stre uh, level of wealth you get to where truly nothing ever could possibly be actual life and death. Ever. Yeah, and so right. like those those notions are completely abstract to her. And I think that I I, I think that we're gonna get something that makes a conversation that makes that like explicit in a way that I think will be cool. Yeah, well, at some point you have to because yeah. otherwise she has no stakes. Exactly. Well, I would guess that a meeting with Uncle mm -hmm. um, is going to occur at some point, and mm -hmm. that Uncle is one Wilson Fisk, who is alluded to in this episode as uh, we see him in the flashback. Uh, I wonder with, what the Disney with, version with the of Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is going to be. Yeah, I'm intrigued because you hear rumors about a fat suit. You hear rumors about CGI. No, he wasn't that big I, I just don't. No. Oh, you're yeah, saying like they're going to exaggerate, like make him like very kingpin like, like he wasn't. Yeah, like, they're going to make him look like. Now, there's no obviously there's no confirmation of this, mm -hmm. but um, that's what has been uh, heard. I mean, around I, the I have confidence in them only because I think one of the things that Disney has been generally 
really good about is finding the balance between being like making people look so much truthful to comics but also making mm-hmm. them look like they could be in the real world like that was a thing mm-hmm. that like for example a lot the, the Brinesinger x-men movies completely failed at where they're like we're gonna make them look great have like black suits because yeah, yeah, they yeah. would be silly if they were yelling yellow yeah. but also like and there have also been some comic book movies that have gone too cartoony and i feel like the mcu generally like is they can find the balance i don't think he's gonna so, look so what you're like, saying is jake you're not here for kingpin to meet the clumps I mean, if they were to do that, if only Vincent D'Onofrio plays uh, like every goon in his uh, right in the same room, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. around the table, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he plays Vanessa as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and also let us pray, as I pray, mm. that they finally get Daredevil's costume right. And I'm not a Charlie Cox fan. I don't like what they've done with the Daredevil character, so I'm bracing for pain. I'm bracing okay. for disappointment. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm hoping I get less than that. Could, could you hoping... give us like a quick two minute on? your issue with Car- the Charlie Cox Daredevil? Very simple. Daredevil is not a bloodlust character. They've mm-hmm. turned they turned Daredevil into Wolverine and into the Punisher mm. and into Bullet. Daredevil is is he fights when he has to. And the fight scenes in those first three episodes of Daredevil, the first three seasons of Daredevil, it's just blood after blood right. after blood. I'm like who is yeah, this guy? Like that's you're an attorney. You you know, I mean, whatever happened to everyone deserves a defense, Daredevil, right? You are I'm he's the punisher. He's right. beating the shit out of people. And I'm like, one, that's not your character. And two, how are you supposed to go to work looking the way you look every single day? I mean, every every fight scene in that show is everyone is an inch away from death. Yeah, yes. I think that they yeah. kind of lost something that I think actually a lot of superhero movies don't get this right. Where in order to be like more grounded, they make every fight like more effort filled and yes. like less finesse. Yeah. Whereas like Daredevil yeah. should be so good at what he does that he should be dodging every punch and yeah. like you know what I mean like he, yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be a case of him he having a beat down. He should not be taking that much punishment. No. no. The whole point because he's I think the thing is they played him almost like he's just a really good fighter like no he's a superhero. He should not have any trouble with a random goon. Like that's the thing it's you know right. it's not he doesn't well, need to be It's 100% yeah. right and I'm like so you're watching Daredevil and you're like okay how many punches does it take to knock this guy out? Mm-hmm. 26 punches Daredevil? I mean <laughs> yeah. it, <laughs> Yeah, you're you're losing scenes. the character. This character can't, you know, is not going to be able to sustain what you've created for them. And so, well, that, I, mean, I feel like yeah, this is going to be a because, like, our I guess our clearest example of like Marvel adopting a character is bringing in Tom Holland as Spider Man. Yeah. So you know, like, obviously, in this these cases with these characters that we're bringing from the Netflix series, they're going to be played by the same actors. But uh, I don't. I don't think, and obviously, like for very logistical Disney reasons, like you can't, like they're just not going to be that level. Yeah, of they're not going to make it brutal like that. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm here for like brutal, and it's Kingpin not just f bombs the... in a Disney Plus series. Yeah, and it's not right. just that the fights are so brutal; it's also the fact that you've lost the central core of the character. This character right. okay. is not that character. You have this character confused with Frank Castle. Right. You have this character confused with Logan. Right. This is not mm-hmm. what Daredevil does. Daredevil's yeah. the bleeding heart of the MCU or, or of the Marvel comics. He's the guy who's defending the criminals because everyone mm-hmm. deserves a defense. Right. Mm-hmm. Let the law handle it. He'll go extra. He'll go extra legal 
when he has to, but he's not out there with the intention of beating the hell out of people. It's kind of ironic that they sent, that they talk so much about his Catholicism in the series when it feels like he is exclusively operating on the Old Testament. There is no... <laughs> exactly. There's no there's, compassion. Right, right, right. Exactly no. right. There's no compassion with this character at all. And I'm like, what Daredevil were you guys growing up watching? I think it's a fair point of- there is like the Daredevil a lot of us grew up watching was probably Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah, Christ. well, the Daredevil I grew up with is Frank Miller. Exactly, and that Daredevil yeah, yeah. Is, is the Daredevil that you're supposed right, to be right. getting. Right. Yeah. Well, and I we'll think that, and I and I think that 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 Daredevil, and it's such a shame that um, you know, that Chadwick Boseman passed because that Daredevil mm. did overlap with Hawkeye and Black Panther in the comic book, and it would have been mm. really interesting ground floor to see those guys cross paths. There's one guy that we haven't seen yet that I'm wondering if we're going to see who also crosses paths with those guys on the ground floor, and it's the Submariner. So I would love to see... Black Panther 2. Mm-hmm. He's coming in there? Yep. Ooh, we got something. Yeah, Black Panther 2, which has its own issues, but we'll save that for another time. No question. Um, But, yeah, like, to kind of bring it back to this episode and some of the stuff that I really enjoyed particularly that car chase scene yep. where they're following you all the way. You got the Christmas music in the background. Yep. It's just a lot of fun. And then we get the trick arrows. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I love seeing the trick arrows being used, all of them. And mm-hmm. we get, we get a putty just, arrow. Just get, to the we pin, get acid arrow. arrows. Just get to the pin arrow already. Well, that's the, the one. Arrow, the pin arrow is, of course. Fucking amazing. Man. I didn't even like, see it. I didn't even see it. My son is watching it. He goes, Pim? I didn't even notice it. Oh, you didn't know? Oh, I got like, yeah. I just saw Pim there. And like, that's also a credit to, because they released this scene uh, before the show started, but like not to include that. And just, yeah. you know, I saw the Pim and bef- I was like, oh my God, like Pim, like shrink, grow, whatever. And then before I even got a chance to figure out where it was going, bam. Yeah. I think a thing that really was good about the chase scene for me is that it, um, I think so many movies, especially big action ones that are set in New York, are they're all freaking shot in Montreal or Chicago and feel like nothing like New York at all. And I mm-hmm. felt like, one, it's very rare that you see something that is like the outer boroughs that's not just like a factory somewhere, you know? Mm. And like, But this felt like very <laughs> yeah. tangibly like in a city. And I think that that's another thing that's important for um, these characters is that like the characters that are close to the ground floor are fighting their bad their, – the enemies – around just random people it's just, yep. it's right where you are you know yeah. it has and that, to feel yeah. like new york city exactly yeah. and so like i you know i was definitely recognize some the the vibe in the places and and not just that though that like it they're at, they're always at in the level of you know at stakes that you don't have when you're fighting in a field in upstate new york where it's mm-hmm. like that this isn't that they feel so much more real is what i'm saying that like you could just be walking down the street in brooklyn one day and see this chase going on i don't know what you would do if you saw a gigantic arrow grow that would probably be less than ideal um once again that you're definitely blaming de blasio for that there's no question (laughs) that de blasio is getting blamed for that one (laughs) 
I, I, yeah, I love that scene. And I, I just think everything, even the grappling arrow that gets the, mm-hmm. gets the uh, Kazi stuck and, and stuff like that was cool too. So it was kind of cool. And also it was kind of cool to see Hawkeye be Hawkeye in that scene, because even before the car scene, mm-hmm. he's taken out everybody yeah. in, yeah, in yeah. there. In the um, warehouse. Using toys mm-hmm. yeah. and, and stuff like that. So that no look pass. Like it was, it was a good chance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So that was, that was nice to see. And, and it was interesting also to kind of see that that first part, not only of Echo, but then even Kate Bishop doing her little her, her little uh, sweep leg sweep yeah. uh, mm-hmm. thing that that was fun to see as well. So we the action in the show, and I know it's good Jake, to see them competing. He, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, and I know Jake brought this up yesterday. It was once it was watched. I think one thing that was interesting about this episode is they really started off at a breakneck pace yeah. where we get the echo thing and we get the fight and we're just going for the first. Well, they've got great uh, cliffhangers. I yeah. Yeah. Yes. For the first I, 30 I, I minutes. I think that the episode, I liked everything that was in it. It did just feel like a weird piece of television in that it was go, go, go for 30 minutes. And then like the last 10 minutes kind of just felt like and a, a day no mom. Yeah. They the 30. And which is like, it's just kind of a thing that happens in these series, series like this, but, and it's not, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just something I noticed, but it is one of those things that I always talk about this, that you could, you could have a drinking game with me mentioning this phrase, but it is one of the perils of making a TV show. That's like, uh, you know, five hour movie. Cause that's, you know, like mm-hmm. it, if, if this show mm-hmm. was, it, it clearly they're trying to tell one big story and I don't, I'll, it's just part of a price of admission, but it, it, this definitely was not structured like a traditional episode of television to, I think it's detriment in some way because it was kind of like when the battles and stuff was over, it's like, there's only 12 minutes left. That's not enough to really do anything new, no. but it's also not enough to, and I love the cliffhanger. I just wish that it was maybe there was more stuff up top or it was like a better pace. Cause it was just like, Oh, okay. So this fight's over and, we still got ten minutes of just talking, and the, but we but we know that there's since there's only ten minutes left, nothing major is going to happen except the cliffhanger. Right. But uh, yeah. right, yeah. right, right before the cliffhanger, a couple of things though. So we get the scene where Clint is calling, uh, trying to call his wife, mm-hmm. and right. getting a phone call, which he thinks is from his wife, mm-hmm. but it's actually from his youngest son. And obviously he can't hear because the hearing aid was broken by Echo. Mm-hmm. And Kate is translating for him. How come he can have all those it... arrows and not a good hearing aid? Sorry, just... And also, <laughs> why why is it that he only has one hearing aid? Right. Yeah. Because if he yeah. has one hearing aid, he should be able to hear the other, other, ear. The other ear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, yeah, actually a, no, because a... I know people who are hard of hearing who only have one hearing aid who can't hear it of either ear. I actually don't think that that's mm-hmm. abnormal. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe but it's, not I, completely? I mean... I, I can think of one person specifically who is completely deaf without a hearing aid and only wears one. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, but obviously, I think it might be a cost thing for that person, but I don't know, if anyone is uh, hearing impaired in the audience, we would, or like has family member, I actually would like to know if that's Is a that a thing. no prize right there? I mean, there's got to be a no prize. Um, but anyway, uh, I also don't know. You say it's a good one. I don't think any hearing aid is going to survive being stepped on. I don't think that that's a problem. No, no, I get, no, no, but just like, how is there not like some start? Te- there's start technology for that's everything. Fair. That's all I need. Uh, like we yeah. we healed right. a paralyzed war machine, and Hawkeye needs to learn ASL. Like just mm-hmm. yeah. I, I the only thing I was wondering too is. Uh, Kate Bishop is holding a pad and paper with a marker when she's dictating. Yes. Her handwriting's way too good. She's holding it with one. You can't. That's stupid. But uh, no, uh, I thought that that scene was really, really <laughs> I have, sweet. I have pretty it's solid good, handwriting myself, scene. so I'm just gonna say that's normal. 
you know, uh, you know, nice humble brag. And you know, I think that this was, I think that it was a good scene because it was one. It obviously helped cement their relationship, yes. and I also think that it um, put Clint's pr- uh, situation in starker relief. It, it does humanize the villain Kate. that is Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, think, I, think, I think it was important for Kate to have a better idea of what Clint right. is giving up. Right. And right, what position she's putting yeah. him into. And, and then the next scene, as we talked earlier of them in the diner, I thought, you know, put that Kate is just very, you know, she's Yum. very fearless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 definitely. She's where... very Peter Parker in Homecoming. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to get it. She wants to. Yeah, absolutely. She wants the mission. She wants to be a part of this. Mm. She's setting up the plan. She says let's go after this person and this person and figure out who the tracksuit mafia is working for and all this other stuff and clint is trying to like, let her know that this is life. not this is real yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and i think it's not an easy situation he's a great person to deliver this message because he is has such an honor he's the least glamorous of the superheroes yeah. that like he is like i don't get you know what you're asking to do doesn't involve people wearing your costume in Times Square, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. you are asking, you're... My job before the Avengers came about was, like, hard CIA spycraft. This is not... You are... You don't understand what you're asking for. Like, I'm your idol because you saw me during the Battle of New York, Mm -hmm. but you don't get the, the, there's no perks involved you know yeah. there's no yeah. it's, it's I, not I don't impression though that kate is looking for the uh, perks i'm not a role model yes role ac model. said the same yeah. thing in the chat so i have to that great great minds think alike he said right. <laughs> charles barkley moment yes yes yeah um yeah the, we, i guess the only thing say, I, yeah no the only thing is just i don't like from all of this like i agree that she has a like a very bubbly enthusiasm about doing this although i don't necessarily get the idea that she thinks there is glamour in it. I think she just feels very right. called to it. I think that that's yeah. fair. I guess yeah. that she feels like she's called to it, but I think that she's like, very called to it without really understanding like how much the, it's going to cost. The risk. Like that, that's the all. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know that if she, I see yeah. that. I mean, I, I don't think it's a calling to her. I think, I think she thinks it's fun. Yeah. Really? I think that that's, yeah, that honestly, yeah, Jerome, that's kind of what I see too. I think that, I think that she, is you know the thing is I think that she has maybe a calling or want what she very much wants is to be a superhero. Yes. Yeah. It's not whereas I think the big difference between her and Spider Man is Spider Man wants to help people. Her mm. is she wants to be a superhero, you know? Okay. And in this and that honestly feels very, very, very reminiscent in a different way to the people I went to college with who are like rich kids born and raised in the city. That they very much are like they don't want to, you know, act in movies, they want to be a movie star. They don't yeah. want to run, you know, they, they want they want the thing that they is at the, the end of it. I want the result. To, I want to rewatch that diner scene because that wasn't the read I got. But like... I got, yeah, I, I think, yeah. and I don't think she's being bad, like, taking it a bad way. I just yeah. think that she isn't thinking about the realities of what I agree with that. I think we're yeah. all on the same page yeah. in that yeah. part, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess, like, I guess things I just don't see... In the, where so many superheroes become superheroes because they have a profound sense of justice and wanting to help people, I don't feel like that's her motivating factor as much. No, she's um, trying to solve a crime. And what I really find yeah. with her is she wants to use her toys. Mm-hmm. She right, ha- yeah. she has talent. She wants to use it. Mm-hmm. She wants to fence. She wants to sword play. She wants to use her arrows. She wants to that's use fair. her MMA skills. 
And the best way to apply all of that is in the adrenaline rush of being a superhero. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And as we get towards the end here, where they decide to go to Kate's mother's apartment. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, which I shouldn't even call an apartment. It's a, That's it's just, a great uh, piece of real estate, honestly. Yeah. Yes, basically. Uh, unfortunately, like, I didn't think I'm close enough with anyone, any of those kids to go, to go to somewhere like that. It's really a big, big L I took. <laughs> I, I live in an apartment. We are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, they get to that part, and when when obviously Kate's going into the bishop security lock, mm -hmm. she gets locked out. But before she does, she finds out that that Cassie works for a company uh, called Sloan, mm -hmm. which Sloan is uh, an analytics something. I was about to say, yeah, Daryl Morey's <laughs> no. about to make his entrance into the series. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe so but sloan actually in marvel lore is uh, related to another company called alchemax mm -hmm. which is a company that's owned by wilson fist and the strange so, thing okay. is that in both cases zach lowe is a big part of it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we obviously have that wilson fist connection and clint uh walks away because he because he apparently hears something and it is one jack cane with the ronin sword yes yeah. my guy tony dalton mm -hmm. uh which i look forward to their interaction and hopefully we will find out that jack trained clint uh to 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 be the type of swordsman that he is as far as ronin is concerned oh. and that's how the episode ends and yeah, we are halfway through. Yeah, we're probably uh, going, it's... and that's probably where Kate finds out mm -hmm. that Clint is Ronan. Yeah. Yes. And I think and that that's going to be. Her... I think a lot yes. of the stuff about you know Clint getting his comeuppance. I think a lot of that's going to come from Kate because ultimately, like the thing is, I think what a lot of people might want is like you know I I've, I've joked before that I think I joked on Discord about this that like the big mistake they made with Ronan is that the one. Group, group of people you see him kill on camera in Endgame is uh, not white people. Yeah, I think that right. I really oh, called yeah. that was a huge. I think that if he was killing like the Russian mafia, I don't think a lot of the same criticism would be made. Understandably, because right. there just is a different thing. Mm -hmm. It is actually a different thing to do that. But I think that the comments he's going to get is not going to be like all of the uh, you know non-white gangsters of the world unite to come. I think that no. the pain is going like, to. I think personally, from a storytelling perspective, Kate's disappointment in learning that yeah, is a, as powerful yeah. a comeuppance as you yeah, can have. That's so what it's going to be. It's going to be. It's, it's going to be the hero takedown. I'm yeah. not a hero. I idolized you, and that's who you are. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm excited for that because I think that that actually is a powerful. And then we'll find out if she can act. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. I think she can. Have I think seen she can. Stuff, but yeah. um, I mean, yeah. in this. Oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Can she fair. transition from the bubbly I want into this? Because that is going to be the moment where you grow up. That should grow mm -hmm. up moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So those meetings are interesting, like what's going to happen with Jack and Clint. Obviously, Eleanor, I want to know more about her She's and what her actual dealings are. You don't, we, you don't, she has to be. That, you don't cast her, you know, because if, if you're a normal mom, you cast someone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you, know, you only cast Julia Louis-Dreyfus if you know you're going to create a, the head of a crime syndicate, right? <laughs> also, I'm yeah, saying so, it. I'm saying that her yeah. dad is not dead. Because even though he's you're, not, he's you're, not you're super famous, the, but yeah. Brian Darcy James is like not a nobody. Like he's mm -hmm. too famous to be cast in one bit. Like he's like a guy. He's just big enough where I don't. If Marvel did that, that's really rude. And also, and like, they de-aged 
him. They de-aged him in the beginning of yeah. that. Right, the, right. Yeah, so exactly. So I would guess they wouldn't de-age him if they don't bring him back. Like, and so he, yeah, he's there's just a mystery like, there. it definitely is, that definitely just thing where like, the moment, I, and also his name's in the credits too, which is like, you know, he's, so he's coming back in so much shape or form. And that, mm-hmm. I'm excited for that because that feels like, you want to talk about her whole life being unraveled, you know, she learns her mom's into some dirty stuff. Her hero is turned out to be a bad guy and her dad is actually alive again. I mean, that really, uh, that's trifecta. I mean, right. yeah, it forces Kate to grow up, like Howard said, grow up uh, quick, quickly yeah. in that, in that, in that situation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And again, Clint has a lot of things juggling in the next couple of episodes mm-hmm. because, uh, because between, between what's happening with Jack, we have Yelena, which they put out a little teaser today, a 15 second teaser where we see, uh, somebody in a mask that looks exactly what Yelena wears in the comics. Oh, so interesting. That should be that should be interesting when we do get her when that d- does happen, and Clint will have to deal with that. And then obviously Wilson Fisk is at the end of the road here, and how they not only how they introduce him, but what is his uh, main game plan and how does that figure into Kate and Clint is going to be really interesting. Yep. So all good stuff. Very much looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun to see. Um, any final thoughts, uh, Jerome? I will start with you. Um, no, I like I was saying at the top, I'm just enjoying this show, pretty much. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. need it to be I any more feel... than what it is right now, and I'm I'm happy that like it's, I don't have to overthink yeah, it. And I just would tend to agree with you. Yeah. And Jake, how about you? Any final thoughts? Just that I think that this 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 is the classic example of how. You know, when you evaluate any piece of media, you evaluate on what it is, uh, or what it is and what it's trying to be, not what you wish it was instead. And mm-hmm. taking Hawkeye is that I really have no complaints if for what yeah. it's trying to accomplish. It really is just nailing it completely. Um, and so I'm excited to see how it ends. Just because, yeah, I think that it is very fun to be able to have a show like this in MCU where it is not very heavy. And it's like, you know, it's a good Well, I was saying to you guys, like when we we're talking about it today, like I think it's become a lot easier for me to take in disney plus series where i don't necessarily i just don't evaluate them anymore as like how they stand up as series and i just treat them as chapters in the long larger like they always are but like Mm -hmm. for me it just makes it easier to take in that i don't need any closure i don't need any real like summing up in the moment because a lot of these characters are just going to move on into another thing Mm -hmm. and this is just a chapter that moves them on i think like as long as you shift it as long as you get certain things out of it we're gonna i think this one here is you know, a little bit of like giving closure to Hawkeye, but mostly to introduce all these new characters. And I'm into that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to Howard's point, grounding uh, something that is far into other galaxies at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And Howard, any final thoughts? Um, final thoughts is echoing everything that the three of you are saying. I couldn't agree more. I also feel like this is, this is what it's supposed to be. This is in a lot of ways what I thought, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier was going to be. And I thought yes. Cap... I was thinking same, exactly same. that. I was and, like, and why, thought, why wasn't Falcon and Winter Soldier just fun like this? Like, just well, easy. And, I, and I have my theory why. My theory why is because they got so bogged down trying to appeal to all of the racial backstories that it, bega- yeah. it, it became extremely preachy. It lost its story. The end of mm-hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier was so ponderous in terms of trying to create um, some form of hope if you and can i change, felt i can change we all can exactly change. and it was like why do you always do this to black people just give us a story 
right? right? Give us the yeah. give us the story here that you're giving, you know, Hawkeye over there. And mm. if you had taken a lot of that stuff out and just trimmed a lot of that fat instead of it having to be this kumbaya moment that we can't we all get along? I'm like, you know, this is what you're supposed to get. You're supposed to get a big action story that is not overwhelming and that the fate of the universe mm -hmm. isn't at stake, but mm -hmm. you learn who these people are that you've spent your life with for the last 10 years. You get to meet them a little, you get to meet them again on a ground level. Yeah, I think that the the misstep that was taken at the beginning of Falcon and the Soldier, specifically I think focusing on the race stuff to begin with, but I think it made the mistake a lot of pieces of media do that are trying to tackle big questions where they mistake theme and story. That yep. like, mm -hmm. that... The theme of Falcon and Soldier can be, will America accept a black Captain America? But that can't be the plot of it. You know That's what I mean? Right. And, the, yeah, yeah. and because ultimately a plot needs to have an end and the racial politics of America don't have an end. Have so an it's end. like, you, it, no, it, no matter right. what you do, when you make the story of it that, you set yourself up for an impossible task of trying to. So I think that like, Hawkeye, when we look back on it, I'm sure that there'll be plenty of themes that are serious that you can glean on it. But the plot of it is there is this crime thing going on. That's that right. They're trying to solve a crime. Yeah. That's exactly. It. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And I will always say, as far as, far as Falcon and the Winter Soldier is concerned, you could do the race stuff. Absolutely. For sure. But boy, when you do what they did with that John Walker character, you have completely botched everything. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> so. yeah. And the Isaiah you know, Bradley story as well, that what you did with him, the way they tried to redeem him so quickly at the end and just tie it all up into, into the hope whisperer, um, right. undermine the story. And Hawkeye is not saddled with that. So you no. get yeah. really fun scenes mm -hmm. and you don't have to overthink how much screen time was lost because nobody's beating you over the head with a message of unity. You're just getting a story. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we need. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with Hawkeye going forward as we are in the second half of the season now. So it should be fun to see. Howard, as always. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, thank you, boys. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, thank you so always much for joining you. us. Uh, what, 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 are, what are you up to? The follows? Give us the whole nine yards. That's it. I got nothing. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm grinding toward 2022 right now. And, um, are you locked very into when you're forward. watching uh, Spider-Man yet? I've got my tickets already. Nice. So what day? it will be Friday the 16th. Okay. And um, by the way, Howard, I know you always like to talk about going to the Amherst uh, Art Theater. I saw uh, Licorice Pizza two nights ago. Highly recommend. I think that. What did you, you see? Uh, Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie. Ah, I don't think it's playing here yet. I don't. I think it's playing. I don't. Yeah, I think it's only New York and LA for the next week. But I think it's going to. Uh, I'm looking indie forward to theaters. that. Mm. Uh, I, but yeah, I highly saw... recommend. Nice. I saw the trailer twice for Power of the Dog. Yeah, her and too. it didn't do a whole lot for me. Yeah. And yet people are raving about it. Yeah. But the same thing was true of Belfast. And I liked Belfast. I haven't okay. seen Belfast yet. I got to check that out. Um, you don't no, really yeah. have to. Oh, I mean, I, I watch every movie that's nominated for Best Picture, and I will chop yeah, up. This that that movie's going to get nominated for Best Picture. You know the thing? The most Oscars thing in the world would be to not give Roma a black and white story about growing up in a tough time in Spanish Best Picture, and then give a worse version of it that's in English Best Picture. That'd be the most Oscars yeah. thing of all time, and so it's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. I am all about, so far, uh, The French Dispatch is the best movie I've seen so far this year. 
I've heard very good things about Licorice that, Pizza yeah. was probably my favorite. And then The Last Duel, I also really liked a lot. But no one saw that movie. It bombed so hard. I didn't I was see one, it. I was one of three people to see it. I think it's honestly great. Uh, but I don't That's blame the, people for not wanting to see it. Is that the Ben Affleck, uh, Matt yes. Damon one? Matt yeah, Damon, yes. yeah. 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 It's great. It's right. it's it's so it shouldn't be because it's Ben Affleck and Matt Damon writing a medieval story in France. But it's also like Ridley <laughs> Scott is like one of the best directors alive. So of course, in right. like you know, I don't know. I, I think it's it's great. I highly recommend it. If if it's showing anywhere, I can't imagine. It would you be want Ridley lost... Scott to take on a Marvel property? No, because okay. I want him to be able to do whatever the fuck he wants. Fair. Because I don't know if he was following this because he also made House of Gucci, which what I respect him too. He's like 83 years old and he made two movies in a year. That's mm. the best. But we're like that Gucci family is complaining about stuff and he's like, I don't give a fuck. They committed tax evasion, killed people. Why do I care what they're saying? I'm like, hell yeah, Ridley. You keep going to 83. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, and and of course, yes, uh, Jerome Chang. Oh yeah, you brother, can uh, you can follow me sir. on Instagram at Black Dragon Roll and on Twitter at Jumby Lime. Yeah. And one Jake Christie, how about uh, you? Follow start? me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. Please, you know, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know the whole nine. Yeah, and me, Anthony Canton underscore three. Jake, congratulations! Check out the Patreon. This is your first time not mentioning uh, no? Oh, the Monk show. Yeah, yeah. Because congratulations the, no on finishing that. No Monk is over. Uh, we finished Monk. We talked to the creator of it again. Great stuff. Not did sure you cry? Going to do anything next? Did I cry? I, talking to him? No. Did I cry good. in the finale? Of course I did. Well, I'm not mean. good. I mean, like, um, cool. <laughs> yeah, of course I did. Yeah, let's yeah. not be stupid. It's right, the finale right. of a show that I, you know, I cried when I watched it for the first time when I was like 14, and then right, I cried right. again. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So you know, obviously you know the vibes. Check the check the Patreon. Uh, amazing Spider Man Two we're about to do. That's right. And so far, <laughs> yeah, I know. Looking forward to that. Uh, in some ways, not yes and no. So for Howard Bryant, for Jerome Chang, for Jay Christie, I'm Anthony Canton the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.